So this is the uh, we're doing the My Life and Gaming Game Club discussion where uh, we for the August and September 2020 games. August we played through uh, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, and uh, September uh, the voted game was Castlevania: Rondo of Blood. Uh, this is a handful of games are chosen per month, and the the group votes as what we are going to play whatever receives the most votes plays we typically roll over the second most voted game into the next month's voting and uh, we go from there i've done this for a few months figured we would uh try to get a discussion going for these for these games so the last the most two recent games that we've done because i think we did one or two games before that but uh yeah so we have uh, Link's Awakening up first. Uh, I'm Henry, I go by H. Clark, and we got Benji and Ermags in here from, and then we have, uh, we'll just kind of waddle our way through this and uh, see where it ends up. All right, Zelda Link's Awakening, the iconic Zelda Game Boy game. I, uh, I have to start right off. This is my favorite game of all time. Like there is nothing that places above this game for me. So when it came up into the, it came up for. I always said like I'm going to vote for stuff I haven't played, no matter how much I want, on uh, for, um, for games for the game of the month. And like the previous month, there was a game I played before. I forget what it was, but I wanted to vote for it. But we ended up. I voted for Metroid Prime just because I had never completed it before. And this time, I'm like, no, I, I can't vote. I can never vote against Link's Awakening. I absolutely love that game um i have a lot of previous experience with it playing it since a year or two after it came out not understanding it at seven years old then picking it up again probably 11 12 years old and loving the hell out of it and um original version starting off black and white and which is always my preference as much as uh i played it all the time, over and over again. You guys have uh, previous experience with it back from, uh, you know, before you know either the you know recent years. Not I'll really. be honest. No, <laughs> I've uh, I've honestly only played through Link's Awakening once, and it was the Switch remake when it first came out. I didn't even play it during the Game Club month. I was a bit busy. Although honestly, that was probably the game that I could have actually played. One of the games I could have actually played easily enough. Yeah, it's I played around the time of game, um, when it came out, but I didn't actually fully play it until we had Game Club back in August. So I don't really have any past experiences. I only play the Switch version, so I guess, like, I see where people what people like about it, but I personally see Link's Awakening as like a better Zelda game, in my opinion, because it's on more superior hardware. But if you, you guys have the memory, you mean the link it, to the you, you mean good. you see the link to the past? You mean on the better hardware, or or do you mean the remake being better? A link to the past being on like SNES, okay. so it yeah. has like fully scrolling backgrounds instead of having to shift one by one through like each tile set, which. You know what? It works, but like when there's something better, I personally have to take it. Not saying that like Link's Awakening is a bad game, but yeah. I just don't really have the same uh, like wow factor towards it. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep in mind that that stuff was just not possible portable That's system true. at the time. Very true. 
Yeah, the the what they did for a console released in 1989, a handheld released okay. in 1989 that was an underpowered machine in 1989. This game is visually stunning. Um and yeah, I like the sprites are better than like Zelda one on NES. And that's about like the same power level. That's like yeah, it's wow. got less power than the, it's got yeah, less no, power. I mean, the Game Boy's weaker. Really? It looked yeah. that yeah. better? Yeah. It, the the processor in it was from like 1980 or something around that, if I remember the the history right. When uh, Gunpei Yokoi worked on was developing the Game Boy in the early 80s, like they were using what was already an old CPU. Or I guess it was mid 80s. Yeah, I mean, really it, work, we know we know from the Game Gear that if they made something that was basically actually NES and portable, it would have the battery life on that would be non-existent. Yeah, yeah. six six batteries. The Game Gear is the master time. Yeah. 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 So I the, the the first. So I guess both of you have ex, only have real experience uh, with the Switch version. Then it sounds like from what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah, I did get the 3DS re-release of the Game Boy version at some point, but I never actually played through most of it. And I do have some memories of kids at school playing Link's Awakening. I never. I don't know why I never got. Well, okay. Actually, no, I, I do know why. It's because, that well, I had a Game Boy and I had an NES. I never actually, like, played a Zelda game, like, f- fully through until... Crap, I think it was actually Wind Waker. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I didn't have an SN... Well, I didn't have an SNES or an N64 growing up, so... Yeah, I had Zelda 2 before this and may have had Zelda 1, but I... Oh. That was later by the time I yeah. got that. So I got Zelda one at a garage sale. I think my my childhood copy of that like never worked though. So okay. yeah, as a kid in the, in the relative time <clears throat> that all of these games were new, the only one that I had in that kind of era was Zelda two. Until this, I didn't have. I, I didn't even play Link to the Past until after uh, this came out. Which of course this came out. I think what. Two a year later it was 1992 for Link to the Past, was it? And then 1993 for Link's Awakening. Yeah. So it was uh, a little after. So I did play through the Switch version as well, but when it first came out, and it may, may probably just because I have such absolute strong nostalgia for the first game, the Switch version. While I appreciated it, and I, I first loved the orchestrated soundtrack because I'll get into it in a little bit. The sound is what I truly like, really pulls me into this game it i guess because it wasn't the same but the, the fact that it was different it wasn't my pixelated art style because for me i even prefer the black and white version i in this case which is rare for me played the color version the dx one which i did have when it first came out about a game boy color and uh this game well or not bought but i perceived a game boy color shortly after and got this game immediately uh the dx the DX version, I actually applied a patch to it, uh, a quality of life patch, just to play something slightly different that made the text much more legible, especially on a display. Because I did, even though I own multiple copies of the game and a Game Boy Advance consoleizer and many handhelds, I played this on uh, my Mister, so uh, FPGA device to try to. You know, it's just as accurate as playing it on a real, but I wanted to. Uh, I, I wanted to use a different controller than using a Super Nintendo controller. I've become obsessed with the Saturn uh, 
the RetroBit Saturn controller and I wanted that D-pad. So I played on Mr. so I could use my RetroBit Saturn controller. Um, but with the patch, there was much nicer font used that was still compatible with Game Boy, supposedly, as well as like, no incessant beeping when your hearts are low. And there's a couple of, I actually did have a couple of minor graphical glitches the patch caused. But uh, yeah, there was a couple of weird things. But overall, the patch made a big difference. But it was the DX version where I have the most nostalgia. I love the black and white one is what means the most to me. And the black and white one, the first release, had a nice glitch that made the game fun, which I played through as I started it. I actually loaded the black and white one and streamed it here in Discord for a bit. Of, uh, and Chris joined me for that, of just glitching my way around the game because it's so much fun. <laughs> There's a warp glitch in the black and white one where if, uh, I think if you hit select just as you're changing screens, so it brings up the map, when you change the next screen, like if you're going from the right side of the screen into the left side of the next screen, you'll immediately warp to the right side of the next screen. And you can get yourself in some real screwed up predicaments there. But it uh, it makes for a lot of interestingness uh, if you already played the game. It's so fun to break it. But uh, yeah, that's why the black and white one always means the most to me, even though I uh, played through color this time and recently played through the Switch release. Um, how do you guys feel about uh, the world and dungeon layouts? The dungeon layouts. I think for me, they're personally like they're pretty good. I feel like there's a bit more puzzle solving that I like to, but usually I'm more of like, come on, let's just get on with the game. I want to see what else this game has in store. But other than that, I think the puzzles themselves are pretty good. Like I really enjoy taking my time thinking, no, this doesn't work. Let's go back. Let's retrace my steps. So you do this and that. And I actually kind of like that. I'm not really a puzzle solver at all. I usually just give up on that. I find the guy to the second, I'm like, oh, okay, you do that, and you just move on. Okay. But yeah. here, the puzzles were, like, actually really fun, so I, I actually 100% agree. I like the pu- love the puzzles in this game, even though I'm not... Usually the puzzles, if they're too intricate in most games, just get a bit annoying to me. And again, nostalgia-tinted glasses here. I love the puzzles, and even... I hadn't played through it long enough. I forget some of them, especially the Eagle Tower. But uh, that's that's its own discussion uh, for in just a minute. But uh, I uh, yeah. What, what what do you think about it? I'll be honest. I mean, because I haven't actually played through it like as early as you guys have. I honestly don't really remember much about the the dungeons all that much. I mean. I can see, especially if you only played, you know, mostly played I, the Switch version. Like I've only played the Switch version. Yeah. I've only played it once. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, the it's just like, oh, this is just like another character that you see all the time. But at at the time, so many of the characters in the games were. This is the first time you saw Goombas outside of a Mario game, and they're they're, right. littered, they're littered throughout the uh, the dungeons. And it's the first time I there was. Um, basically Mario uh it was a Mario char- style character in the game there was a Zelda you know Zelda even though it wasn't Zelda she was there as another character and but that's not unexpected but the Mario and Luigi style cameos from two of the characters from uh what from T- Terran I think was was the name of uh the Mario like character that that uh, yeah and then um I'm I think he goes by Papa, the guy that looks a lot like Luigi, and the guy you start. You yeah, think, that 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 does ring a bell for me. Yeah. And then there was also Mamu, who 
was basically the Japanese name of King Ward. He was in yep. the game as well. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, right. You get to get, you learn, uh, learn songs from him for your ocarina from, uh, from Wart. Yeah. That was uh, all of these cameos. And that's a common thing these days in gaming. But this was like the first time we saw that. Now, I, I'm, if you go back, I don't think you would before what 1993. You probably didn't see any like gaming crossovers like this. I I, I can't think of any on NES or Super Nintendo either. One like the random little Easter eggs of and then Kirk, Kirby's an enemy in this game. Like they, I, yeah, I do remember that. There's, <laughs> it's just like there are two different Kirby enemies. One straight up just Kirby, and one's Kirby wearing like this uh, metal hood that so you have to sneak around and hit him in the face, but he walks back first towards you. And then they've got regular Kirby that's trying to suck you up to hurt you. But yeah, the uh, the dungeons have some real interesting bosses, especially for the era. Like uh, the the, the multi, the, I, I think they were very unique characters for the time. Outside, some of them were. I guess seen in uh, a link to the past, but for me, like I said, seeing him first here made a very big impression. But I, I love the dungeon layouts and the bosses, except for um, Dungeon Seven, the Eagle's Tower, the most frustrating piece of this game, bar none. So the bosses where oh you're where you're basically God. doing a side scroller thing, right? Uh, yes, but the, the boss, the boss, while it's a little difficult, isn't too bad. It's the level design. That's the one where you have to pick up this wrecking ball and get it. To oh, that thing. Pillars. Oh, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can always do three and it'd been so long. I always forget. I, maybe I, I, I'm just dumb because the fourth one is the hard one. And because there's a hidden bombable wall that you have to like get hints. Oh, I should bomb this. It's not clear. You should bomb that because it's on the bottom of the screen. You can't clearly see the cracks like you do in the rest of the bombable walls. You have to realize, like, hey, there's a pathway in this ne next level, which you can only see the other screen by going, like, screen left, down, and then right. And then you see, oh, there's a path there. I should go back or up three, around three screens and bomb this to get to uh, the fourth place to throw your wrecking ball. I always forget that, and it is so damn frustrating. <laughs> That's where the guide comes in for me when you just don't know where it is. Yeah. And another thing that tripped me up was how there's multiple floors and you sometimes you can fall down if you accidentally step in a hole and you might go down to like the first floor and you have to do go back up there all over again. Like you have to go on top of specific platforms just to get to specific parts of the Dungeon, it's just a mess. Yeah, it's the Game Boy hardware doesn't lend itself well for knowing, uh, like, well, I should go up here and jump down and fall through here to get to stuff that's on that lower floor. And then later, later it changes. Once you destroy those four pillars, the two two of the levels collapse into each other, and now they're mixed up. It's you got a yeah. remix going on, so you got to re relearn everything. That is um, definitely the most frustrating part, and. Uh, I, you know that blemish aside, I still love the game. All the hidden collectibles around, uh, finding all your hearts and your seashells. I'm not sure about you, but in this playthrough, I made sure I did use a guide. I had the original guide from Nintendo Power. My original's in mostly pieces, but I still have it. Years ago, before prices jumped, I bought a new, a second copy in pristine condition, and I used that my old Nintendo Power published guide from 1993 to find the seashells throughout the game. Um, went through and because there are certain seashells you can only get if you return your seashell to the seashell house to claim them, your reward on the exact number 
of seashells. Like you can't, if you, you get a bonus at 10, you can't arrive with 11 and get the bonus. So you have to arrive exactly at 10 because I'm guessing there was a programming error somewhere and somebody used an equals instead of a uh, equal or greater than symbol. And uh, it, so I, I, wanted, I rushed through to get the uh, level two sword because if you get, once you have at least 20 out of the 26 seashells, you get the level two sword and do extra damage. And you want to combine, if you can combine that with the color dungeon from the DX version, that only in Switch version as well has it, obviously, you get the uh, red tunic or blue. Blue reduces your damage by half. Red increases your damage by, by, by double, or it doubles your damage. So I'm now doing quad damage, and I made that so I could, uh, as early as I could, so I could run through the game just, like, one-shotting basically everything. And bosses only needed, like, two or three hits. Um, do you guys uh, do any of the seashell hunting? I, I mean, I, I found them, but I didn't go out of my way to do it. Sorry. <laughs> you didn't okay. either, Benji? No, I didn't. I only think I think I maybe got like one or two, but that's about it. How did what do you guys think of the trading sequence? I loved it, and that's one thing I have memorized. Like, oh, yep, go here, go here, go here, go here. Like, it, it's I just have to sit for a minute, and then I can like and mentally envision it all, and go through the entire trading sequence. But uh, it, I, I really enjoy it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, there were some parts of it that were hilarious, but again, um, playing it for the first time in twenty nineteen is that when it came out. Uh, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I've seen it done in so many other games already. It's just like, yeah, it's the trading sequence. Yeah, I, I can see that. Biggie, did you uh, you appreciate it? Yes, I actually kind of like the trading sequence. It's really fun because you still get to see all these characters, what their lives are for a little bit, and what they want. And one of my personal favorites was when you're in Animal Village, there's a goat who wants like a flower and then she's like oh how nice and like i want you to give this to dr wright and who is based off of dr wright from oh that one (laughs) yes yeah and then when you get to him she fake she gets she catfishes him with a picture of Peach in the Switch version. Yeah, and her base, and I don't remember about the Switch version, uh, but her, the basis for Mr. Wright that she's infatuated with is actually Will Wright. Um, yeah. Oh, I thought you said like I was thinking you said something else, sorry. Um, yeah, the Will Wright thing was hilarious. Of course, I didn't get that at the time, but uh, as I played through it later, as you know, teenager knowing who it is, I I thought that was great. But I loved like uh, when you give bananas to the alligator, or you I'm sorry, you give the dog food. The the dog you have the dog food, and the alligator sees you have it, and he loses his mind. I must have this dog food, and you watch <laughs> you watch him eat an entire can of dog food, can and all, and I I just I love it. And then he gives you bananas because what alligator doesn't have a bunch of bananas sitting around to give you, and uh, um, later you trade the bananas for a stick from a monkey. Of course you give the bananas to a monkey. And then you give the stick to uh, to Taryn, who pokes a flipping beehive, and then the bees chase him, like, all around the screen, and is playing, like, the 8-bit version of a, you know, what I imagine is Yakety Sax from Nint- version, Nintendo's version of it. And it, I, I love it. Like, absolutely. The game's so full of these hilarious moments like that. Yeah. But uh, and, and there's always interesting ways how you, you know you, you end up giving stuff like 
I, I still don't know what it was that wanted the bow. This little weird ball. I, I don't know if this was to be a baby version of Bow Wow, which Bow Wow's in this game too. Of course, you know, the, uh, Chain Chomp from Mario Brothers 3 is it, and then later games obviously as well. But uh, then this little ball that he really wants your really wants the bow. The ball wants to play dress up. I don't know what that ball is supposed to be, but uh, yeah, I always found the, the humor in the game great. But then the uh, I guess the last thing on this particular game I want to bring up, and this is my highlight, is the audio, <coughs> the music in this game. The music is good. The, the, of course, the whole point of the game ends up being about the music because you're trying to wake the wind fish with the eight instruments that you have to collect. So you're playing the music, and I get goosebumps every time I hear the ballad of the wind fish in full. And I, as a kid, I would uh, plug up my Game Boy. My friend had a nice stereo in his nice for you know our age stereo in his room, and I would plug my Game Boy through the headphone jack up to a stereo just to go to the egg and play my ocarina to listen to the Ballad of the Windfish. Like that song is like, like haunts me. It's so good though. That, uh, and, and everything tall, tall heights gets stuck in my head randomly for days at a time. Uh, dude, uh, for an eight bit system, like eight bit portable making the, the, uh, Totaka made, I'm forgetting his first name, but uh, yeah, Totaka, of course, his song is in there. The Totaka song that's in every game is hidden in there. Uh, and, uh, the uh, uh, Prince Prince Richard scene in the game, but uh, the music to me, I've never heard something so beautiful in eight bit. You guys, uh, well, I guess you spent more time with the Switch version, so you're familiar with the eight uh, bit music as much. Not I'm really. familiar a little bit, but like I remember the main theme. That just feels like an iconic Game Boy theme to me. Like if you. Tell me, like, this is a retro music that I think of, like, the Link Awakening main theme when you're first in the village for the first time. Like, that always comes to my mind. Um, I actually, actually, I'll get to take that back. I think I, do, I am familiar with that because I have played Oracle of Ages and Seasons. I think they use the same soundtrack for, like, some yeah. town and, like, the overworld and stuff. Yeah, the game reuses a lot of the same audio. I've played through most of Ages, yeah, Ages, but I haven't completed the game. Um, yeah, they do reuse a lot of the same audio. That, that theme music is just, it, it's so high energy. It just, it's absolutely pumping. And the Switch version, they orchestrated it and it sound is technically amazing. And it, I just, for me, they can't quite compare to how crazy that 8-bit audio was for, you know, a, a, again, a device from 1989 is putting out this type of sound just was absolutely like blew my mind. But, uh, that, the, the music is, it definitely is always stuck with me. It's the majority, you know, a large majority of my life that's been stuck in my head. And, uh, I, I never, I never tire of hearing it. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything or, uh, I guess what I was talking about the, they reuse all the assets to make sequels that Capcom made, kind of spiritual sequels in the uh, Zelda franchise. But what's, this game's actually based on, I'm sure you know, the uh, another game. It's uh, The Frog for Whom the Bell Tolls, which I finally bought a copy of and keep saying I'm going to play someday. Um, that's what the main character out of that game is, Prince Richard, which you run into in this game. you got to get the Golden Leafs for, so he lets you into the third dungeon. But yeah, the game was actually the engine and everything. Some of the characters were based on 
uh, yeah, that uh, that game because there's a uh, Nintendo likes re- reusing those in their games to create stuff, especially for stuff that's going to be big in the West. All uh, you know, Doki Doki Panic becoming Mario two, but this wasn't quite as a uh, close as those games were. But uh, that that's definitely on my. I'm going to try that one day. But I gotta I've got to find a translation guide for it because I uh, not 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 so good with Japanese. Yeah, I never, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, huh. the engine, the audio, so a lot of the audio assets, like the game was lifted from that, and like I said, in the same manner as uh, Mario USA or Mario Two was from uh, Doki Doki Panic. I had never heard of that before, so I, yeah. like this is new to me. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting looking game. Uh, Fog for whom the bell tolls. Let me. It, uh, That's uh, me. Yeah, who looks? Yeah, I have the wiki page up now. Yeah, so I was just gonna pull up and I was gonna send to the chat, but you got it up. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, you might not even need. You, well, okay. I mean, if you're gonna play a physical copy, maybe you do, but. There is a there is an English fan translation apparently. I figured there was, and one day I'll look that up and play through it. Um, oh, I didn't. That, yeah, that was uh, Nintendo worked with Intelligent Systems back when they were you know before they were known for you know I guess later their biggest known I guess was the uh, Paper Mario later, but yeah, that was a lot of Intelligent Systems as well. Was this game, mm-hmm. and uh, they they took a lot of the. Looks like this had some of the same two D stuff as well. I guess the two D platforming sections. The that's that's likely how they that's how they ended up with the uh, looks the like Mario enemies. <laughs> yep. So they. Uh, I was looking through here. The deep. Yeah. So did they just change it up to the side viewing side view profile? And I guess they decided to put that in Zelda because that was uh, it. Done. Obviously, Zelda two had had some uh, side scrolling elements to it. But they brought them back, and I, I, it's always funny to see those Goombas and the piranha plants coming out of coming out of pipes yeah. <laughs> in, in a Zelda game. But, and being uh, able to stomp on them as well. Yes, once you have the feather in the first dungeon, just being able to hop up. And in one of the secrets is if you hop on a Goomba, it will always give you hearts. So if you're if you're a little low and listening to that annoying beep, find a Goomba and jump on it. It will give you health. So I. Uh, I love this game. I'll always love this game. Anything to do with it. So um, I'm I'm obviously t- like very very skewed on my appreciation for it. So it you know, when it hit me originally as a kid. So the uh, yeah you uh, I'm t- so you guys are a little uh, you know a, a little cooler on it than I am I guess where you it seems like you guys enjoyed it but don't quite have the uh, the same obsession of it it seems yeah I mean I, it, I mean it's just that when you've seen a lot of the stuff done in this game done in a bunch of other like honestly basically other than like the 2d side scrolling stuff and like the Mario enemies, most of what everything that was in Link's Awakening, it's been in games released since, so it doesn't have the same impact. Yeah, yeah, for, and it, it helped set a lot of the tone for later games. Like, uh, yeah. while some of the stuff was set through um, 
link a link to the past. I think this this set a lot of the norms that you would see uh, as as a constant in later Zelda games. It helps cement ones as norms that link to the past originally created as well. But uh, I uh, for years I was always disappointed that Nintendo didn't do much with that game. But then uh, I remember 2019. I remember I was on the way home from the gym in my car. And they did the live stream. I was listening to the live stream and looked at yeah, it came up when I'm at a light. Probably shouldn't have, you know, phone in the car when it's going. Probably, probably not. But <laughs> that aside, um, I, I'm pretty sure the cars around me, even with all the windows up, heard me scream like a little schoolgirl when I saw the ship, when they showed off the, uh, showed off the, uh, the preview for the first time. And uh, I, I heard I heard lightning, and I looked down. Not a big anime person, but I looked down and see this anime-ish. It's like, okay, whatever. And then here comes the ship, and I lost it. I lost <laughs> it right there. Yeah. But I uh, I appreciated it, the uh, remake. But uh, I, it's still nothing will compare to the original for me. You guys have anything else you want to add on uh, Link's Awakening? Not really. No, not really for me. Okay. Well, I guess uh, we can go on to the September game. We played through the original title of uh, Akumajo Dracula X Chino Rondo, uh, just known better as Rondo of Blood, which for the longest, it took a long time to come to the U.S. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd always, I'd never actually completed a, uh, a Castlevania game before this. This was the first time I fully completed one. I played a lot of them here and there, and I've just never put enough time into one. Um, I, I, I now regret that this game, that this game is some of the, this is in the probably easily top five of 16 bit gaming. This, um, this needed to come to us. This was to come to us in 1993, I believe it was released originally. This should have come to us then. It would have, this thing would have made much bigger splash in the gaming world than it did if it would have been around in the West. Uh, um, than... Considering the system was on, probably not. Okay, ma- yeah, I guess I have to I, about that. I mean, no, that's the reason why it didn't come here. It was on the it was on PC Engine Turbo, CV, yeah. PC Engine CD and the Turbo Graphics. Sixteen, let alone the CD add-on, didn't really sell well. Yeah, and from what I understand, nineteen ninety-three, they had stopped pretty much stopped greenlighting games for for the West because it was uh, it it just wasn't selling. So publishing a new game, translating it, wouldn't have made any, especially game they needed to do voice acting in, would have been prohibitively expensive for something that would have probably sold a thousand copies, if that. Yeah. Yeah, and it would still be a $250 game, even in English, I'm sure, because no copies would have been printed. Um, so I guess I can go over some basics. Like I said, 1993 PC Engine CD in Japan. Uh, later, it was released. There was a remake, a full remake on uh, PSP in 2007. And then it looks, I believe it was 2010, they released the original PC Engine version in the US on the Wii. Um, I got to check out. I believe I'm not sure what if the Wii version was translate. No, it was all in Japanese, if I'm not mistaken. I was just looking it up. I think it was still Japanese on the Wii. Uh, well, the German uh, intro was changed a little bit. In the Wii okay, version. yeah, the PSP version was translated though, and I know it was weird. I I never understood why a Japanese game had a German audio on the tra- on the US version. Okay, it's what it is. Um, 
Then uh, the PSP version redid the graphics as well. I looked at it and thought about playing it, and I it, it doesn't it it looks pretty it looks pretty bad and heavy to play. Like it doesn't look like it plays very spryly. But one thing I found is the PSP audio was amazing. I um I played through this myself on um again my Mister FPGA device. The uh, I played through the PC Engine version, but I downloaded a, a translation patch, and I didn't realize at first this was the PSP. Uh, it wasn't just translation; it was the PSP audio, and they replaced the entire game with PSP audio, which had remixed music. And I had always heard how great this music was, and I I loved the PSP audio. I switched once I figured this out halfway through the game. I figured out I had to translate uh, the PSP audio version. I went back and listened to the original and uh, like that was pretty good as well. But the PSP audio, that was on, uh, that was on point for me. So I didn't, I didn't realize that that English translation patch replaced the, replaced the audio with the PSP version entirely. I thought they just did it for the dub. There are, there are multiple out there. So if you've got, if you've got the one, if, I know I sent some a handful of people the the same one I was using. So if you're using the one I sent, yeah, that would be the PSP audio. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I'll have to look up footage of like the actual unpatched game or I, I guess get the unpatched ISO and yeah. put it on my yeah. The weirdest thing is the PSP audio what gave it away to me eventually is uh, how blo- how loud it is. The audio in the PSP ver- the PSP dub over the uh, PC engine version is extremely loud, the music. And I realized I couldn't really, the sound effects were pretty quiet in comparison to the music. But um, I, I was shocked. I thought that was 16-bit. But then again, the game used uh, Redbook Audio because it was an early right. CD game overall, even though it wasn't early for that console. Redbook Audio for 1993 is still a really rare thing. So it, it wasn't being created by the console. It was streaming straight off the disc. Um, so it could have been the same audio as the PSP version without a problem. But the audio from the PSP, yeah. the music is just some. It's after playing. I'm not. Well, I haven't played through them. I've played with a lot of different versions of Castlevania in the past year. Um, this has the best. They all have that same first track or the same song redone in each game. And this is my favorite by far. That intro music. Yeah, definitely try try to play a few more of the earlier Castlevania games, because I think Rondo of Blood is the only one of them I've actually mostly played and or finished. I think I might have like tried Super Castlevania 4 at one point, but just like messed around with it a bit. Yeah, I mean, like- as far as Castlevania goes, I'm much more of a fan of the Metroidvania-style ones than the classic platformers. Yeah. I uh, I found that I found that I actually like the platformers a little better, mainly because I get tired of getting lost in Metroidvania. Like I told you earlier, I had never only recently in Game Club completed Metroid Prime because I didn't I didn't even finish Metroid Prime during Game Club. I have to get back to that. Yeah, because I just I hate getting lost, and since you have to do all this backtracking, like late they like where where do I backtrack to now? It uh it it gets a little old after a little bit for me for the backtracking. But this was like I said the original style, so it was just you know action and platforming. Um, you get to the gameplay, I guess in a minute the uh the graphics sixteen bit 
you know, 16-bit games relatively similar to each other in general, but I thought this was well done with the parallax scrolling. There was always the nice weather effects when you were outdoors. Um, I, I, I thought the game looked pretty darn good for uh, given the limited resolution. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah definitely, it's definitely a pretty game. It, it, it really is. And considering this is a console that was released, the, the PC Engine that was... Uh, Right after the Super Nintendo release, if I'm not mistaken, right? So this is like it. This is definitely a great looking game for judging the age of the console. Um, let's see. PC Engine was like 1987. No, it, yeah, it's 87. It's, it's, Jesus, it, 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 it's pre, it's pretty Mega Drive slash Genesis. Yeah, not, this is the game yeah. looking this good, and it's old, and it's it, the oldest of the systems. It's only two years older than an NES. That's insane to think about. And the CPU is still eight bit when yeah. it's in the console. Yeah, the CPU is eight bit, but there was the the graphics card was the graphics in it. Or I guess it wasn't a graphics card at the time. There were effectively sixteen bit style. Yeah, they were. It yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and it was deceptive. Yeah, and regardless, even if it's a eight, technically an eight bit system, the graphics yeah. still look sixteen. What everyone thinks 16-bit is, because back in the day, none of us knew what X-bit actually meant. Right. When we were talking about it, so it really doesn't matter. It looks just as good as anything on Super Nintendo or Mega Drive, Genesis. And yeah. it's, it's just mind-blowing to think it was tech from 1987. But then again, that's probably why it was stupidly expensive and made it do so poorly, especially here. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it didn't do poorly in Japan at all, yeah. being said. But... Well, I, I guess that doesn't technically necessarily mean it did good in Japan, but it beat Sega in Japan. That I didn't actually realize. Wow. Yeah, the Mega. Yeah, the I Mega didn't... Drive was like dead last of the four gen. I systems. didn't realize that. I knew that. I knew the Mega Drive wasn't near as big as it was as here or in Europe, but I didn't realize in the East it was that. It, it was that big. The Mega Drive did that bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, you can appreciate the graphics and, of course, the audio. Of course, the audio isn't being generated on the console. The CD audio means it could be literally anything. But uh, they, they made it work really well overall. They did. Um, it, for you guys' experience with this game, is it a fairly recent experience for you guys? Or did you by ch- happen to play it closer to uh, to an, an era at all? Because for me, this is a game I toyed with only... I think I, I've only ever touched it since I bought a Mister. And I just bought a Mister early this year. I played the I I own the PSP remake and I played that like several years ago. I don't think I actually beat it though. I think I gave up to the end and just got frustrated. Um, this time around, I played the 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 PC Engine version with the. When oh, I forgot to mention, the, there was a PS4. Yeah, we had a PS4 version release as well, with bundled with uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which has been on sale a lot lately. I think at the beginning of this, it was on sale for like $7. But uh, I, again, wanted to use my Saturn-style controller, my Saturn Retro Bits, because I have it on PS4, but uh, that's why I went with... Uh, so I was... almost bought it on PS4, and then I realized that, oh, right, I own a TurboGrafx-16 and the SS System 3 OD. Oh. Oh, wow. You're playing on real hardware then. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
I there's no reason for me not to play it on real hardware. I have the I have the way to do it. But yeah, real hardware in quotes because technically the yeah technically the CD part is not real hardware. But I don't think it was like with the with the Sega CD where it actually had any other yeah, chips. It in was there. just a, just CD processing. Yeah. So um, from there, the the gameplay itself. I found it very solid. Uh, at first, I used a lot of Maria because this game does have one of the, the having a two playable character, which I believe was unique for Castlevania, at least at the time. Maria was a lot you could unlock her in the first level, uh, and she was a lot faster, a lot more nimble, did a lot of damage, but she had no health. She takes crap loads of damage compared yeah. to Richter. Richter was beefy, and she was a glass cannon. Yeah, I basically only switched to her when. I, when my problem in the stages was just getting past the stages as Richter, just because of how much slower he is and how much harder it was to dodge stuff. Yeah, but, but he was better I, at bosses, I found, due to the tankiness. Yeah. Granted, you can't switch mid-stage. Otherwise, yeah, the, would you, people yeah. would just switch to Richter. Yeah, true. You can't switch. But I eventually I switched to her because I liked how much easier she could play through the levels. After a little while, because I got stuck on the fourth stage, if you looked in chat at all, you saw how much it took me on and off playing a couple nights a week for two weeks to beat the Headless Swordsman boss at the end of the fourth stage. That's when I switched back to Richter, because I figured it was easier to learn to navigate the stage as Richter than it was to learn to beat the boss as Maria. Because she yeah. just she takes no hits, and you have to be able to tank a few hits for him. It's almost impossible to go hitless unless you're just top tier Castlevania player. Yeah, that, that, the, the, the the amount of time you said it took you sounds about right. I think I beat it a couple of days before you. Let's see, yeah, I beat it on the fourteenth. Um, yeah, that's around the time I did it, but I started like I, I think I, I probably started like. The first or maybe a day or like maybe the end of July, the last day of July, since it was clear this was going to be the winner for this month. Even though I was pushing for uh, Lunar, I'd always, you know, I was like, <laughs> I was pushing for Lunar, but it's like, all right, it's clear that uh, Symphony of Nights or uh, Rondo of Blood's going to win. Um, the game after that was still incredibly difficult, but nothing was quite that bad for me as that was. It took me two nights to beat uh, the boss rush, though. Later, you get a boss rush at the end of the oh, sixth yeah. level, the, the, the level before yeah, last. That took, me a, that took me a while. I was like, oh, there were definitely several points in the game where I just kept dying. I'm like, okay, I'm done for tonight. <laughs> and then just went and did something else. Yeah. Duh. Do, you, do you have any issues with any real part of the game, Benji? No, I didn't really play it this month. I don't really have a mister, and I didn't get the. Oh, okay. I just realized like, yeah, you've been quiet for a little bit, so and I didn't I didn't realize uh okay, you didn't have a chance to play it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really have to. Also because I was busy in September with a few new games like Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake, so Yeah. I didn't really have a chance to play it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was switching between this and Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. For, I'll event, yeah, I haven't touched that yet. That's I'll eventually wait for it to be a twenty dollar game and I pick it up and Probably by the time I pick it up, it'll be on PS5, and hopefully it's uh, enhanced there. But yeah. um, the uh, back, yeah. I, I um, the difficulty was up there. Um, 
I, I got tired of running the stage. I can tell you I was so tired because I died so much to complete the boss. I I might have succumbed to the ease of Mister and uh, turned on Infinite Lives just so I didn't have to run the stage over and over again because the Mister has a built-in cheat engine. Just so I didn't have to keep running it over and over because that's what was deteriorating me so much. Because even though I learned how to play through it, I made I didn't do this until I mastered the level. Like I could play through it. I still got so overly exhausted playing through that level because of um, there's there's really the part where they want to get you is this guy's throwing bones uh, where you have to jump over these spinning spikes or fans or whatever they are and you're getting thrown they're throwing bones at you at the same time. Right. Those, uh, the, the, those guys, if you're not frame perfect, they will start taking a crap load of health from you. This guy, it, yeah. Sometimes Ugh. no matter how good you do, I don't. Their cycles aren't. I couldn't predict them. Sometimes they would. Uh, it, so it's just I, I can't keep running this. So I eventually just spent nights, two nights on end, even after turning on on you know unlimited lives, so I could get through that. But uh, the rest of the levels, there was always a uh, death was a hard fight. It was that's just hard because projectiles I found in this game are very difficult. Navigating projectiles is um, it's a bit tricky. But and he has some real tricky ones. But once you figure out his projectiles, it's not too terrible. Spent most of a night. Actually, I think I completed him the same night as the Headless Horseman. And so uh, on that last night, I beat Headless Horseman right off the bat, and then was able to complete Death that same night. Yeah, item crashes in the fight. At least, at least in the fight against Death. Actually, most of the fights in general do help a lot if you have the right item. With my multiple deaths, I would not usually have enough hearts. Yeah, unless you, unless you ran through the um, unless uh, if you're using new lives and not game over, I'm brain dead here. Let's try this wow. again. If you're not, you know, every except when your first run through of the level, you don't usually have enough hearts to crap do much in the way of crashes. If you're just sure. when you die and respawn right outside the boss room, you can crash once and then you've got nothing left so i typically didn't use crashes except i think i did use it at death and that's the only place yeah i mean it it still takes off a sizable amount of health um, yeah even if you could only fire it off once yeah i just i preferred to have my uh be able to keep spamming my uh, axe throwing and and or um holy uh holy water throws because the holy water uh was a really useful thing a lot of the time when you could uh, get it. Okay, use outside. the holy water, actually. Okay, yeah, I, I liked it. I found it quite a lot because when I had a lot of difficulty, I would go and watch speedrunner videos because, of course, speed, their their tactics are they they've oh, mastered yeah. it. They've mastered it. So when I would learn, like, okay, this is how they're doing it. It like it looks so easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> holy crap! These guys are make stuff look so simple and like. Yeah, this takes 13 seconds. Yeah, if you 13 seconds after you put an entire year into practice. I know exactly when you need to hit them and where. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to be frame and pixel precise. <laughs> the uh, the boss rush took me, yeah, boss rush took me some time, but uh, it was a lot of fun after I kind of figured it, figured it out. There was a couple tricky parts. Pat this yeah. game's all about pattern rec rec recognition. Holy crap. It's more pattern recognition heavy than even a Mega Man game. 
Oh yeah, definitely. It's like like whenever I would first get up against a boss and I'd be like dying, it would be like I can't figure it out. And then once I finally fix on what the pattern is, it's like oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I know exactly what to do here. Yeah, and, and when, when it hits you, like, oh, it was that simple the whole time. And mm-hmm. and that always happened, except for the headless horseman, the headless uh, swordsman. That one, um, that, that, that one was just, I don't know. That was one of the most difficult fights I've ever had in a video game. I'm not a Dark Souls type like fan. So that's not, that's not I didn't have genre. much trouble with him. I think, I think I might have managed to actually beat him the first time. Oh, I fought him. I, fought, <laughs> I probably had. I probably was able to spam item crashes. Yeah, maybe. So. I I've tried him with Maria a lot. That's when I switched to Richter's after all the failures. And like, I need. To oh yeah, no, I, I I I I fought him as Richter. That probably helped. I still, after I switched to Richter, it took me a number of days, many days to. Ah. Because I, I don't know, it, it's once I fi- it's his head. Once you figure out his ground attacks, it's that floating head again. This game, enemy projectiles are evil in this game. That's oh god, yeah. Because Richter is so heavy to control. He is, and once you get him going, he's got. It's difficult to change what he's going to do once you got some inertia going, especially when it comes to jumps. And you have to like learn the pattern of what the head's going to do, which platform to be on when the head comes up, which pixel to jump when the head's coming at you if you want to clear it, unless you get lucky enough to come at him with fifty hearts and keep item crashing him. But um. Uh, level layout, like I said, other than the bosses, level layouts are always interesting. I get, I guess there's a lot of alternate levels, from what I understand, that I haven't played through, but uh, that, that I didn't get too far. Yeah, th- yeah. There's alternate routes through the levels, which if you go to the right way, you can fight an alternate boss to go to the alternate stage. Oh, okay. So. That it, okay. I, I knew there was all alternate routes, so I didn't realize they were actually going to different levels. Because, like I said, this yeah. was my first experience with the game. And by the but, time I was done with it, I was so frustrated, I didn't want to go back and spend any more time. I love yeah, the game. Well, like I said, one of my top games of the era. But I couldn't take it anymore by the time I was done. Yeah, in order to rescue like all, all the well, all the girls you need to rescue, you have to actually go into the alternate stages. Oh, I didn't realize. I, I thought I'd heard about one more girl to rescue but uh i didn't I yeah there's never like, find any like four. oh wow i guess i really suck at the game then <laughs> uh, i mean not, not not really like i said you have to you you would have to find the alternate boss to go into the alternate stage and then you'd have to find them in the alternate stage so and i think i think i think annette you can't even say i think that's her name i think the last one you can't even say if you don't say the other ones so okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't realize that the game's it gets even more intricate than I thought. Like this is this this is pretty deep for uh, for an action platformer of the era. Yeah, I could definitely see how Castlevania went from this to Symphony of the Night. Yeah, I mean all the item pickups. So if you've got hidden levels and hidden people to save, and you start, you're only going to use your, your you know, mainly it's just your whip throughout the game. You're not changing out items as, like you do in Symphony of the Night. But it, right. you, all the different item pickups, which that wasn't necessarily new to Castlevania, and then this, the heavy reliance on them in a lot of fights, and then the crashes. Are, are crashes, were those new to this game, or were those in the previous four games? I'm gonna go look that up real quick. Okay, yeah, that I don't have that 
huge Castlevania. I've played around with Castlevania one and four just a little bit, but it, it, yeah, they were first introduced in Rondo of Blood. That's what I thought. I didn't remember them being in one or four, which I don't. I'd have to check to even see if this came before four. This may have came after. Uh, this may have came uh, after it or before. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the I, I, I can yeah, you're right. I definitely see the uh, little bit of the progression of uh, wandering around because the only real hidden thing I found was I and the very last level, uh, right before right before fighting Dracula, I found the hidden room, and I was just jumping because I just I jump a lot for the hell of it, and I happened to be holding up during a jump, and I landed on an invisible staircase, which brought me up into a room with a with a whole bunch of I think it was just cash, I guess so you can at the end of the game buy because. Um, the game you can go and buy hints for the game. I don't know. Did you mess with yeah. that? Did you see that at all? I, I I did. I did see some. I did. I did mess with some of that. And one of them I like tried to do it for ho- hoping that I would get a hint for the boss rush at the time. No, it just gave, it just gave me hints for a final fight against oh, I did, in that boss rush. <laughs> it didn't show. It didn't show the whole boss rush. No, I mean there, there's one. There's one for. There's one later. That does, but I don't know. But when you first get to the stage, they only gave you the hint for Shaft. Yeah. For the longest time, I was wondering what I was picking up money for. I assumed it was just points. And then one time when I was annoyed with the game, I was out at the menu. And I was just messing around. I'm like, what is this? And I realized you can (laughs) spend that money to watch videos on how to beat the bosses. Like, holy crap. You can can buy a uh, speedrun video here. (laughs) I, uh, that's, I, I can't, you know, I know Nintendo has a similar thing these days with, uh, games with Luigi. But again, this was, this was 93. 1993. I fairly sure no other game had any, had anything like that. Or if it did, it was, it's not well advertised. It's not a, a well-known feature yeah. in the community. Cause I can't think of other games where you can watch, buy videos or even just watch anything of how to beat a level games. Didn't to be fair, it's not a well, it's not a well-known feature of this game either. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I'd never heard of that feature, and everybody talking about it. Watching uh, Corey and Tri's video, I don't, I don't remember them mentioning it, and watching other people talk about it, um, just randomly messing with the menus, and then happen to figure out how to watch. Like, oh, okay, not that it helped me because I was still stuck on the headless horse, the headless swordsman at the time, still got my butt kicked a bunch. But um, yeah, so overall, this this game. Absolutely fantastic! Great graphics, great audio, level layout. Um, the brief mentioned that you said you played the PSP version. The little bit I watched on it, does it run at thirty frames per second, or am I misremembering that? I have no idea. I mean, possibly, pro- probably. I would assume so, unless if it runs worse. I can't that, imagine it be running at sixty. Yeah, yeah the the game because the, the game runs at thirty frames per second, but with the three D. It, the game renders in 3D, and even though it's still the same 2D side-scroller, it just, I found it to be an ugly mess when I looked at video of it, thinking about trying oh, to play yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the only, reason why, the only reason why I played it, well, the only reason why I got, well, besides the fact that I could get it cheap at the time, was was that it did, it was in English, and I knew the Wii Virtual Console version of Rondo Blood wasn't. Yeah. So... Yeah, not that this is a game that you really need to have it available in English, but I mean, yeah, just from there, I'd say if most people want to play this. Uh, we we if, if you can 
Of course, you can't go to the Wii shop anymore. Uh, if you sideload it on a Wii, that's definitely a great way to play. If you don't want to spend the money on one, the you know, 300 bucks on b- building out a whole Mister setup, or I don't want to even or, add what you have into a PC engine with the uh, with the CD add-on and probably RGB <laughs> output modifications. I, I, I can't even imagine how much you have. Well, the, SF, the, that, the SD System 3 is RGB and the and you don't the drive it. emulator and the EverDrive, basically. But oh, that was that was three hundred bucks itself. The Turbo Graphics cost me two hundred because I managed to at my local game store to find a complete, basically a complete box one. And I was like, I cannot pass this up. <laughs> two hundred bucks. I've never priced them, but that sounds cheap for what I expect they go for. Again, I mean, well, okay. I, I think it was the box. I think in the the box was like missing. Some stuff maybe, but it was it was in the box at the store. But again, it was also at like a local game store, so it's just entirely possible they're like, okay, that's as expensive as we could we could put it and actually expect to sell it. Yeah, well, um, I live in Orlando, Orlando area. The it's a very screwed up retro scene. They would still list it for that and uh, hold on to it forever at any of the stores around here. Nobody, it, it's it's a uh, it's absolute mind-numbing like i went over to tampa yesterday game stores over there when i go over there are much uh much more reasonable that yeah stores here would not uh yeah i I was in i was in richmond virginia at the time okay yeah i uh like to give you an idea here in in orlando there's a store with a not even truly cib because it's missing one piece sega cdx and they want I know originally they were asking twelve hundred. I think they still got nine hundred on it for a, for a the complete. In, they call it complete in box, but I know that it's missing some pieces because I know the owner and I even sent him the pieces it's missing on eBay. Like you need to buy this, and he didn't. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Turbo Graphics actually looks like the cheapest uh, complete in box on eBay with all paperwork. Is uh, there's one for three fifty after shipping. So yeah, there, go- there's one. Apparently, there's one that. Well, it says, well, I don't know if this was actually in the box. I'm looking at price charting right now. Oh, yeah, that it says complete. It's not in the box, and that was still 179. Yeah, and then 300 dollars for the for the SS whatever. I forget yeah, the yeah. name of the add-on. To, but so SD but yeah, system three or whatever. Right now, you go on PlayStation, and for anywhere between seven and twenty dollars, depending on what time you find it. I think it's worth. It's definitely worth the seven to twenty dollars. I think it's on sale for ten right now. Uh, oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it, that's probably the easiest and best way to play it. And well, the the easy yeah the easiest way to play it, and also probably the only way to actually give Konami money for it right now. Yeah, even um, even though Konami I, I, yeah is <laughs> terrible, but. Come on, if you don't if you don't buy the stuff that they do, that's actually stuff you want them to do. They'll just never do it again. Yeah, so. like, yeah. Like who who knows what's about that? They, they just did that cash grab on PC this week by releasing crappy versions of um, Metal Gear Solid One and Two on the PC. Uh, yeah, it was or on yeah. the GOG at old crappy versions they had already released. Now rebundling them and not actually fixing them. So that'll be fun. So anyway, um, back on the Turbo Graphics discussion. It does look like that the price has for a complete one has increased like by at least a hundred bucks since I got mine. 
Yeah, I'm so, looking on eBay right now. And that one, the 350 shipped is one with the box that's really badly faded. There's a nice one that's going to be about 395 shipped for a nice complete inbox. Yeah, because I've definitely had mine um, since at least 2019, probably, possibly even earlier. And in 2019, price charging says complete inbox was like 205. And of course, as everybody knows, if anybody listens to this afterwards or everybody knows here, um, March of 2020, something happened. And while this <laughs> happened, game prices yep. may have gone up 50 to 100% across every single generation, including even modern generations have gone up in price, current generation stuff. So, you know, it's a little yeah. crazy out there. That's why I'm barely buying stuff right now. I just, no, I can't do it with the current the pandemic pricing. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've gone to a couple. Of, I've gone to like a couple of game stores since I moved to the DC area. But I mean, honestly, honestly, as far as like retro gaming has gone goes, I've spent a lot less money on that just because of well, a the fact I have to leave my apartment to actually go to a store. I mean, yeah, I could I could do it online, but I mean, honestly, when I'm going retro game shopping them half half of it for me is also like the, the thrill of actually finding it 100 like, like I, I never would have well okay i, I don't want to say never at some point i might have actually went and bought the turbo graphics 16 online but i never would have picked up a completed box one if i didn't stumble upon that at my local game store and being like oh and i'd seen that it was like a, re, a price that it was like how is it only that much i mean yeah it's a lot but how is it only that much <laughs> definitely i'm i'm the same way i will buy stuff and spend more money on it typically at a local shop just to support the local shop that i would probably not buy online but uh yeah at least for this game though you can uh pick it up for for twenty dollars or usually a lot less on ps ps4 and i'm assuming it will be still available through on ps5 since every day i'm hoping at least hoping this is in those uh those games that they're 99 they're talking about so um I, I, the 99 thing is just sony covering oh i know yeah they're, they're, they're yeah, it's going to be like at lock only going to have like the top 100 games playable and then go from there yeah but the well I, I, the way I understand on how it works is that the PS5 hardware is more of an upgraded thing of what's in the PS4. Like the it's like, architecture it's all, and stuff is the same. It's all x86 hardware. It's, a, yeah. it's very similar to PC hardware, and so it's just faster PC hardware. So the video is a good bit different, but it's not leaps and bounds different like it was in previous generations. But... Um, Hopefully this will continue to be playable going forward since there's nowhere else to play it other than PS4 right now in a legitimate capacity. But uh, definitely worth, and if you don't want to go into that far, if you want to play it on Classic on your uh, PVM or CRT, uh, Wii. This game looks amazing on the Wii still. And uh, load it up, sideload. Most people using Wii still have it modded by now. And uh, be a good way to go. So I guess I'm gonna uh, stop the recording from here. So uh, you guys have anything else you want to add on either one of these games? Yeah, nah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. All right. I appreciate you guys uh, coming in uh, 
taking some time out to to do this with me. I'll try to have this uh, going, try to get something going. I don't know if you ever every month or maybe every other on uh, future game game club games here in the Sounds our, good. In league Discord. All right, thanks guys. All right, welcome. All right, all right. Nice talking to you.